Live from WNUR News, I'm Maria Aragon. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. A look into mental health on a remote Northwestern campus. I met Kayla at a program we both did the summer before our first year at Northwestern. Fact versus fiction and how a presidential election factors into the mix. With the recent 2020 presidential election between President Donald J. Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden being declared, lots of information has been spreading on platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And finally, a look at the Rockefeller Christmas tree in New York City's take on the 2020 holiday spirit. 2020 is a year that will live in infamy for many of us. Overall, a lot of us can agree that it was, in general, a pretty crummy year. Those stories tonight. It's Monday, November 23rd, nearing the end of Northwestern's remote fall quarter. As students juggle between finals, travel plans, and the uncertainty of the COVID-19 pandemic, the conversations surrounding mental health on college campuses are many times overlooked. Marie Mendoza reports. I met Kayla at a program we both did the summer before our first year at Northwestern. She was easily the kindest and most well-intentioned person I had ever met. We quickly became friends and then best friends. She knew my deepest secrets and I thought I knew hers too. Fall quarter of sophomore year, Kayla tried to kill herself. It wasn't until that night that I learned that Kayla had borderline personality disorder. I didn't know that she was struggling or the extent to which her mental illness consumed her and crippled her in a way. So one night I went to her dorm and asked her to tell me everything. I walk into her dorm, and her tiny room seems almost tinier with all the clutter. Posters with positive affirmations like, I like myself because I am caring, helpful, and hardworking, and my voice matters, line her walls. Her eyes are puffy, as if she had been crying before. And We chat a little about our days, and she tells me that she missed class today because she just couldn't get out of bed. When I, like, sort of woke up and realized and processed that I, like, missed class, I sort of just, like, completely trashed myself. Like, I was like, I am such an idiot. Like, I ruined things for myself. I, this is, like, like, everything's my fault. Um, And I was just feeling really sad and disappointed in myself. And I would say, like, that's probably a huge symptom that I have like with my borderline personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder is a long-term pattern of abnormal behavior characterized by unstable relationships with other people, unstable sense of self, and unstable emotions. There is often dangerous behavior and self-harm. People may also struggle with a feeling of emptiness and a fear of abandonment. Symptoms may be brought on by seemingly normal events. Would you say that's you? Yeah, I would say like when I, I remember when I was 16 probably and I was first told that I had borderline personality disorder and I looked up the definition and it felt 
like that's my experience really um and because and i think one one of the phrases that they say that symptoms may be brought on by seemingly normal events and i think that's sort of like hits like the nail on the head in a way because i have such strong reactions um, and, um, I experience, like, emotions so strongly to things that, like, every, like, people that, I, get, I don't want to say normal people, but just, like, people that don't have BPD, like, don't. So, why didn't you tell me initially about your BPD? I really wasn't open to anyone about, like, my mental health until spring quarter, probably, like, or that, like, last spring, um, in high school, no one knew that I was, I had gone to the hospital, that, like, I had attempted suicide, that I, um, was just struggling with, like, mental illness. I just felt shameful about it, like I was the problem in my family. I asked her about the night it happened, the night she went to the hospital. I wasn't with her that night, so I never really knew exactly what happened. I, like, took um, some of my, like, prescribed medicine, which is Prozac, and I took it to, like, an attempt to, like, overdose on it. I struggle a lot with, like, SI or, like, suicide ideation. Um, there are some times where it just, like, gets really bad to... And it's only happened a few times in my... Like, a couple times in my life, but it just points where... I feel like there's like no stopping suffering and pain that I'm experiencing. So I I called my friend um, and she came over and she called like um, the uh, hospital and I went there. um, I asked her why she didn't call me to help her. I think... I think definitely, like, calling you, like, crossed my mind, but I was just, like, I don't want to, like, interrupt, like, you're probably somewhere, like, out, and I I struggle a lot with feeling like a burden to just people in general, and I think that sometimes, like, how I feel is too much for people, and, like, people don't want to be around that. For WNUR News, I'm Marie Mendoza. Although Election Day is behind us, the presidential election process in the United States is far from over. Between the Trump campaign's request to recount votes in Wisconsin and Georgia, to voters navigating misinformation online, Pages Read Alexander reports. With the recent 2020 presidential election between President Donald J. Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden being declared, Lots of information has been spreading on platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, among other social media platforms. And it's become difficult to differentiate between fact and fiction. So today, I would like to play a game with you all. Can you tell the difference between what's fact and fiction? Fact or fiction. The news declares the winner. Fiction. The news does not declare the winner, though it's a bit more tricky than you might suspect. Typically, media outlets rely on triggers, or people that request voting data from local officials and county clerks. With this data they receive from officials, media outlets report unlikely winners or declare based on the direction of the data as cited by AP News. Fact or Fiction 
The presidential election is completed on election day. Fiction. The presidential election is not completed on election day. In fact, some people vote earlier, and in certain states, votes might be counted prior to election day, such as with Florida. However, states that wait to count until election day might struggle with the incoming numbers. According to the United States Bureau, there are approximately 157.6 million registered voters in the, U in the U.S. in 2016, meaning that counting even a small fraction of those votes can take quite some time, and is why a full count isn't completed until weeks after the election. And finally, fact or fiction, state representatives vote for who is president based off of who received the most votes in their state. Fact, state representatives are chosen to participate in the Electoral College and vote for the candidate whom their state decided on. It is very rare that there are faithless representatives who vote against the vote of their state. And for those who do, most states have faithless elector laws that can lead to the cancellation of their vote, fines, and or prison time. Reporting for WNUR News, this is Pages Dimitris Reed Alexander. With the holiday season just around the corner, the Rockefeller Christmas tree in New York City is a tradition steeped in history. But this year has become the center of attention online, and not for the reasons you may think. Reporter Zach McCrary explains. 2020 is a year that will live in infamy for many of us. Overall, a lot of us can agree that it was, in general, a pretty crummy year. Not only have we all had to deal with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, but we've also had to deal with online classes and meetings, sports seasons being shortened, players getting hurt because of cut-off preseasons, looking at UNFL, the presidential election, which continues to be disputed, a record wildfire, an ongoing hurricane season, and looking at you, Greek alphabet. My point is, this year has been tough. But now that we're finally winding down to the end of the year, we can all finally calm down and rejoice as the holiday season approaches. Showing no signs of stopping with 183,000 new positive tests and hospital admissions on the rise. The CDC now warning Americans not to travel for Thanksgiving. There is great concern about the possibility of the Thanksgiving holiday becoming a nation. This year will continue its downward slope, however, as the CDC recommends staying home for the holidays, especially during Thanksgiving as coronavirus cases and deaths surge across the nation. Okay, that's fine. But we still have the December holidays to look forward to, right? I heard they're putting up that Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. For the uninitiated, the Rockefeller Christmas tree is a kind of American tradition, especially to New York City. A huge pine tree, almost always a Norman spruce, is erected in the middle of Rockefeller Center in midtown Manhattan every year around late November for the world to rejoice in its majesty. On the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, however, the tree is lit up by the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio at the moment, to splendor in the whole grandeur of the giant tree and the way it's all lit up at night. Currently, the tree is topped by a giant 70-point star covered in Swarovski crystals. Three million crystals cover the prongs of the star, causing the whole thing to weigh in at around 90 pounds. Hey, this thing ain't cheap, you know. Anyways, the event has taken place every year around the same time since 1931, where a much smaller tree, about 20 feet high, was decorated by construction workers around the Great Depression. The workers decorated the tree themselves with things like homemade garlands made out of paper, tin cans, twigs, and so on. 
Eventually, the thing grew to become a bit of a tradition, and two years later, Rockefeller Center planted their first official Christmas tree in 1933. It became so popular that they put in a skating rink below it in 1936. And that's how it's been for the past 83, going on 84 years now. They've been doing it forever, and it's honestly something that just kinda happens every year. To me, I never make it a point to watch the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree light up. I just always happen to see if I'm both watching TV and there's nothing else to do. That's to say, I basically never see it anymore. This year's tree came from Oneonta, New York, a town nicknamed the City of the Hills that's about a three and a half hour drive from Rockefeller Center. A picture tweeted by the Rockefeller Center last Wednesday, November 11th, showed the Norman Spruce in all its glory in what appears to be a suburban neighborhood. Three days later, Rockefeller Center tweeted another photo. This one set the internet on fire. People absolutely flipped over the shaggy, scraggly appearance of the tree. What happened? The tree looked like a totally fine tree before, but after it was transported to the middle of New York City, the tree seemed merely a shadow of its former self. Limbs were missing or bent, and the tree looked pretty disheveled. People have gone so far as to compare it to the Christmas tree from A Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, the Christmas tree that was a literal stick with a couple pine needles buried in the snow. You know, a lot of people have said that this year is among one of the worst in recent history. And I feel that. This tree doesn't exactly help with that feeling, like it's just one mediocre thing after another. But despite how sad this tree that represents the coming of the holiday season may represent for a few people who actually watch the lighting every year may seem right now, things may be starting to look up. As a sign of this, possibly, a wild owl was found inside the tree as it was being set up in Rockefeller Center, and it's pretty dang cute. The owl has since affectionately been nicknamed, fittingly, Rockefeller, and it should be set to be released back into the wild soon. Plus, Rockefeller Center, rather snarkily, tweeted, Wow, you all must look great right after a two-day drive, huh? Just wait until I get my lights on. See you on December 2nd. So there, haters. Give this year some more time before you call it the worst year ever. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. Or until something else disastrously wrong happens. For WNUR News, I'm Zach McCrary. Northwestern Wildcats are now at the top of the Big Ten West Conference after defeating the Wisconsin Badgers 17-7 at Ryan Field Saturday. Now 5-0 and on track to return to the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis, the Cats will return to the field to play Michigan State Saturday the 28th at 2.30 p.m. Central. According to the Illinois Department of Public Health, the state now stands at 664,620 COVID cases and 11,552 deaths. Over the next 14 days, state health officials will continue to track metrics after Tier 3 mitigations were imposed on the state Friday. According to the department, in order for a region to move back to Tier 2 mitigations, it must see a 7-day test positive average below 12% for three consecutive days, more than 20% availability for intense care units and hospital beds for three consecutive days, and a decline in seven-day hospitalization average for at least seven days. According to Sunday's update, the city of Evanston reports a total of 330 confirmed COVID cases and a total of 84 deaths. 
In light of Illinois entering Tier 3 mitigation, members of NU Community Not Cops held a virtual Indigenous community teach-in on Sunday, marking more than a month straight of actions. Lastly, President-elect Joe Biden on Monday unveiled a slate of top foreign policy and national security picks. According to the Associated Press, the choices reflect Biden's emphasis on developing a diverse team. With Avril Thomas-Greenfield, a black woman, at the helm of the U.S. mission to the United Nations, and Alejandro Mayorkas, a Cuban-American lawyer who would be the first Latino to head Homeland Security. Finally, here's Linus Holler with the weather report. It's a brand new week, but the same old drill. So let's have a look at what the weather will have in store for us these next few days. While Monday was sunny and pleasant, Tuesday will be decidedly not. Temperatures will drop to just above freezing overnight, hitting a low of 37 Fahrenheit, 3 degrees Celsius. The morning will bring some mixed precipitation or periods of snow. Later in the day, the precipitation will fall exclusively in the form of rain. It will also be quite windy, with some gusts reaching as high as 25 miles per hour, 40 kilometers an hour. Temperatures are expected to stay subdued during the day too, with a high of 43 Fahrenheit, 6 degrees Celsius. The weather will stay rainy on Wednesday, with rain showers moving through the Chicago metro area. The wind will die down a little, but will continue to be present and noticeable, especially taking into account the moist air. The temperatures will be a bit warmer, with a lower of 42 Fahrenheit, 6 degrees Celsius, and a high of 50 Fahrenheit, 10 Celsius expected. Thursday, Thanksgiving, will bring calmer and nicer weather to the area. Rain will stop falling overnight and will be replaced by partly cloudy, partly sunny skies and calmer winds. The temperatures will range from 42 to 49 Fahrenheit, 6 to 9 Celsius. Friday too will be sunny, but more importantly, dry as well. Morning temperatures will be a little cooler than the previous few days, dropping to 38 Fahrenheit, 3 degrees Celsius. Highs will continue to be situated at around 49 Fahrenheit, 9 centigrade. Finally, let's take a look at the trend for the weekend. Friendlier and sunnier weather will prevail, with temperatures reaching the low 50s or just above 10 degrees Celsius. Winds will be light. I'm Linus Herler with the weather for WNUR News. That's all for the WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and online at WNUR.org. On behalf of our producer, Alex Harrison, reporters Marie Mendoza, Pages Reed Alexander, Zach McCrary, and Linus Holler, as well as all of us here at WNUR News, I'm Marie Aragon, and we wish you all a wonderful holiday season. Wrapping up this year's shows, we will return in January, so thank you so much for listening. Now, back to scheduled programming.